0: Okay, let's go into your next patient. Okay.
1: So this is a 66-year-old who presented in April 2004 at age 61 with a 2.5-centimeter left breast mass with one of four lymph nodes positive only for immunohistochemically positive cells. So she was a T2N0, a little I positive. The tumor was strongly ERPR positive and was her two non-amplified. So the discussion that actually Antonio and I had, would we be doing an oncotype? This is 2004, and that was, of course, not done in this type of patient, and you may ask us that afterwards, but that was not one of the decisions in 2004. And at that point, we were giving all these patients chemotherapy. She actually also was treated with TAC, but only completed five cycles. She had a moderate amount of toxicity, and we had a long discussion after the fifth cycle and decided to omit the sixth cycle. Shortly after that, she was begun on Arimidex, and she had breast irradiation, and she actually tolerated the Arimidex for about at least a year, if not a year and a half, and didn't complain as much until probably about a year and a half later when she started to have very significant musculoskeletal symptoms. Fairly diffuse, not carpal tunnel, not localized, just she did not feel like 62 years old. She felt much older than that, and that's one of the things actually Antonio asked her. We switched from the Arimidex to Aromacin, and the symptoms continued. And for a brief period of time, we switched her to Tamoxifen, because I felt that her quality of life was such that she was not tolerating the AI, and I, of course, wanted her to finish at least five years of hormonal therapy and put her on Tamoxifen. And her major complaint of Tamoxifen was a vaginal discharge, which she felt was disabling. Not musculoskeletal symptoms, but vaginal discharge. She refused to continue on tamoxifen. And I said, Well, we have one more choice and we were actually participating in a trial called the real trial for patients who had been on a that had significant musculoskeletal symptoms. If those symptoms resolved upon withdrawal, they could be switched to letrazole and then to be followed on letrazole with quality of life indicators to see if they could finish treatment on the letrozole. So six months ago, she was put on Arimidex for a brief period of time, again had her same musculoskeletal symptoms, withdrew for two to three weeks with, as she put it, virtual complete resolution of those symptoms, and placed on letrazole and has been on letrozole now for six months, and is not having, she has occasional aches and pains, but is not having the same symptoms that she had on the other drugs.
2: This is actually a fascinating case because it reminds us that even though the available evidence today is not sufficient to tell us that whether one aromatase inhibitor is better than the other, and therefore we often say that for the average patient, the average aromatase inhibitor works equally well on average. It's clearly the fact that the evidence that there is individual variability associated with these drugs and how they are metabolized and their end organ targets, if you will. And she's able to tolerate one of them, but not able to tolerate either anastrozole or exemestane but doing quite well on letrozole.
0: I've got to ask both of you what you think about my personal favorite paper of 2008, which was by Jack Cusett in Lancet Oncology, where he looked at patients in the ATAC trial, both those on tamoxifen and and anastrozole, and found that the ones who had either vasomotor symptoms or arthralgias had a lot fewer recurrences. And, you know, of course, this hasn't really been looked at in other studies, but, yeah. you know, the clinical implications, if it really drew out, would be pretty interesting. Antony, what did you think about that paper?
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of a good news, bad news, in that good news, if indeed true and confirmed in other data sets, is that you may be able to have an early biomarker, if you will, of clinical benefit, which would be you have to have some pain, if you will, to be able to derive some gain. This could potentially be also the case with tamoxifen in the sense that patients who have hot flashes may be potentially the ones who are more likely to indeed be deriving antiestrogen benefits. And so I think that it's incredibly provocative. I think it does support a lot of the biomarker studies being done, studies as part of the MA27 trial, which is comparing two different classes of aromatase inhibitors in the adjuvant setting. Also, the study being done by the Consortium of Breast Cancer Pharmacogenetics being led by David Flockhart at Indiana University, a study that we at Hopkins were also a part of, led locally by Verit Stearns, my colleague where we are trying to truly identify are there intermediate biomarkers, be it bone health, be it mammogram, be it estradiol levels, and other markers that can help us predict early on with the use of pharmacodynamic tools or related biomarkers who are the patients most likely to benefit a question you may have is whether are we ready to use these today in clinical practice and i would say no i think it would be premature for us to think about taking someone out of one aromatase inhibitor and putting on another one because of symptoms. It actually would be the opposite of what Steve did mm-hmm. for this patient right. because she had significant musculoskeletal toxicities with two of them, and he's now happy, we are happy, she's happy that he found another one where she's having no symptoms. But if the data by Cusick can always
0: truly correct, guess what? Well, she's, she on the wrong not, one. <laughs> she's on the wrong one. Although, you know, I guess we don't want to see people suffer. I mean, I well, guess. Well, I think that's the problem. I mean, I mean theoretically, I maybe what you'd want to see is somebody who had just. You know, a little bit of aches and pains. What do you Steve, you know, you take care of all patients with different kinds of tumors. This is kind of like the EGFR rash story where you want to see a little bit of rash. What do you think about this idea? Actually I think about it for tamoxifen.
1: I worry that if they don't get some vasomotor symptoms, then maybe they're the group of patients that, you know, are not metabolizing to endoxifen. Honestly, my concern is the patients that have significant musculoskeletal symptoms. On the AIs are a group of patients that may not finish the five years, so I have trouble with that. So I don't go out looking for it. I do have more than the 20 to maybe 25 percent of patients that complain of some. I, I think it's easily a third of my patients have some muscular cell symptoms, but it's not all the patients, and I'm not particularly worried. In that sixty-five, seventy percent of patients that don't have musculoskeletal symptoms, that they're not getting an adequate response.
0: And I guess that you know the point that was made by Kathy Pritchard in the editorial accompanying that paper was also the question of adherence, and you know our patients taking their medication. What about this particular woman? Do you think that she's going to tell you if she stops taking it, well, or she's well, it oh is my god, oh, yes. she, <laughs> she
2: tells you everything.
1: I asked her if she brought her pills in because on part of the study, and in fact, I know that that's required, my research nurse said that all she needs to know from the patient, she does not have to send the empty bottles back in, but she needs to know from the patient how many pills are left because they are actually monitoring that. And, you know, each individual month may have more than 30 days. So there is some way of trying to determine, but this patient is absolutely taking her pills. She may not be taking her Boniva though. She admitted that pretty overtly. And I suggested that she and her dog take the medicine on the same day when the dog takes the heartworm once a month that she (laughs) take her Boniva.
0: Interesting.
2: I think the key issue is a point that many of us have raised before is that it is so critical to pointedly ask the question of compliance of patients and even perhaps go in with a negative question, if you will, almost like, so: tell me how many days of the month are you missing your pills? And That's an um, because way, often yeah. patients will say, oops, I'm so sorry, I'm missing two, three days, four days, et cetera. Because it is so easy for us to simply say, so are you taking your pills? And the answer, of course, is going
0: to be sure, of course
2: I'm taking my pills.
0: You know, Lisa Carey taught me a good one. She says she asked her patients, how many pills have you missed in the last week? Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. I think all of us, uh, I mean, we are dealing with human nature, and
2: we just need to think about ourselves when we uh, need to take a course of antibiotics at the end of a week, how many tablets do we miss? Right.